Hey guys, back at the Joshi Pod. Uh, very happy to have back on the show again. This is like the third or fourth time you've been on, I think. Something JD, like that. JD from the Red Leaf Retrocast. Welcome back to the Joshi Pod. Hooray, I'm back. Good to be here. So this is another one of my uh, podcasts where I want my friends to be your friends. And uh, JD does an amazing job on his podcast. And, and I want to have him on again to, to discuss wrestling and discuss his podcast again. Hooray. I like this idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, JD, what have you been doing recently on your podcast? Oh, well, you know, the same thing we've been doing uh, quite a long time, uh, actually. And that's uh, we do retro wrestling. Uh, since this is a wrestling podcast that I'm on here, I won't plug the video games or anime part. No, please I'll plug do. the wrestling part. <laughs> no, please do. Please plug it all. Ah, well, it's the Red Leaf Retrocast. Uh, we do a lot of a uh, lot of retro, hence the name. Uh, basically, something that's more than 15 years old is kind of the kind of the 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 the, the rule that we go by. But uh, we keep with. Keep with all the modern stuff uh, as well. A lot of topics. Um, so for uh, the wrestling side of things, uh, the retro part is all Japan women. Uh, we do the we uh, we watch the classics, review the episodes, maybe something uh, talking points after that. We just uh, we just recorded and covered the retirement of one Chigusa Nagayo. You know how she never returned from wrestling again <laughs> that first time. <laughs> That's what I'm about to do with my podcast, bud. <laughs> Retiring forever. Yes, to never be on another podcast again. You will never do that, just like Chigusa Nagai. I will never step into another ring after 1989. <laughs> so, to describe, I mean, Q, uh, Kay and I talked a little bit about it, um, just how popular Chigusa was. Explain to the people that maybe you don't know that uh, what Chigusa's retirement looked like and how the reaction was from the fans. Oh man. So it's very interesting because all Japan women, uh, they had that set, that set rule that uh, you had to retire at 25, 26 years old. And up until 1989, these, these classic episodes uh, really show you how emotional these retirements were. And the, um, the, the joke we like to say uh, from watching all these classic episodes now is that whenever we come across a wrestler, uh, a woman, just the joke is now, oh, they're 25. Oh, they need to retire. They're old ladies. They're <laughs> <laughs> they're no good. They're washed up uh, because that was the rule back in all Japan women. So in the case of just all Japan losing all of their stars to this rule. uh when it came time for Chigusa Nagayo being the number one, uh, clearly the number one fan favorite, uh, biggest reactions, biggest crowd, uh, she was kind of the spark that changed this rule for all Japan women. And <laughs> it also helps when you essentially create your own competition. <laughs> and <laughs> these women just clearly are not ready for retirement uh, at 25. Because as we know, 25 is not actually old. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that very much now. When I was when I was uh, 19, I probably thought 25 was old. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. all Japan women also thought that apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Like before her retire before Chigusa's retirement, uh, the one that really stuck out to me the most was Devil Masami. Mm. Uh, not just because of how much I enjoyed her and how unique she was. 
she was just incredibly emotional about it all. And she just came across as this person just not ready to hang the boots up. Right. Mm-hmm. And especially for someone at the top of their game like she was. And if you kind of just do a loose little research on her, she didn't stay retired very long. And she went to uh, JWP and helped create the competition along with Jackie Sato, another All Japan uh, star of the ages, right? And Chigusa Nagaya was not very far behind either because when you're that popular and that good and clearly wrestling means so much to you, uh, you're going to do everything you can to kind of stay in the game. And it's no secret that she even kind of uh, steps into it somewhat today still and has such a mark. Yeah, it's it's the old-timey rules that they had as far as retiring. You know, you, you think about the people now, if if that was still in play today, like what wrestlers we would not be seeing anymore and what wrestlers have improved from 25 on, he got even better than they were, you know, when they were, you know, almost all of them are probably better at 25 than they were at 20, you know? Yeah, and... I was thinking about this just the other day, actually, uh, to go along with just our our joke. Like, Mayu Yutani is over 25, and she's mm-hmm. arguably the number one current Joshi in the world currently. I mean, mm-hmm. Tokyo Sports seems to agree with that. And just, just imagine, like, a year, because I believe she's 26, 27. Just imagine a year or two ago that she just had to hang it up. And she's going through probably the best part of her career the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's quite something to think about. Uh, I believe Takumi Iroha is above 25, if I'm not mistaken. She's one of the best in the world. Look and at Tsukasa, have... Tsukasa Fujimoto. <laughs> She's approaching 40. Arisa and... Nakajima. <laughs> yes, all of these women. And it's interesting because if you look at the stardom roster, a good chunk of them are under 25. And who's kind of the, the brains behind that operation? It's it's uh, Rossi Ogawa, who was part of All Japan Women. But then you have Ice Ribbon. Yes, they have uh, young people as well, but they don't have this rule where they're looking for people under 25. Because I believe you interviewed Yappy, and she kind of uh, brought that to light, that a lot of these promotions just want to train people under 25. And it mm-hmm. was tough for her to get in. Uh, but Ice Ribbon's like, nah, nah, we don't go by that those dumb rules <laughs> over here. So that's how she got in. So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how some things carry over and are still leaving a mark on the business today. Yeah, and you think as a business they wouldn't want the women to leave at 25 because, I mean, you're printing money with Chigus Nagayo. Well, I mean, when you have this mindset in the 80s where women over 25 are no longer marketable and washed up and you you just got to move on with the next generation, <laughs> uh, you just don't know any better. It's, it's, it's a very fun learning experience to see how popular some people are, how much the, the style has changed over over the years, because I started the All Japan Women's Classic episode started in 1983, mm. and uh, just going through the 80s like that. Because a lot of people, when you think about, at least this is in my experience, just in uh, just in the general social Joshi fandom, it, everybody harkens back to the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. The early to mid 90s, the Minami Toyota era. Let's call mm-hmm. it that, right? But I'm finding the I, I found the 80s incredibly fascinating. Like without Dump Matsumoto, for example, you would get no Bull Nakano. Mm-hmm. And I was not like I'd heard the name of some of these women, like Devil Masami, Dump Matsumoto, but I just didn't I didn't know. And seeing their journey uh, really enlightened me to how not just popular they were, but how important they were to uh, just women's wrestling 
It just kind of gets it's something that gets overlooked. I feel. You know what's interesting when I talk to the the women wrestlers now when I do the the interviews, most of them watched men's wrestling. They weren't influenced by women's wrestling. Yes, think, like Dragon Gate. Yeah, like the the gener- there's a generation after the 90s, those, you know, the the early 2000s, you know, was the 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 death period for for Joshi wrestling. And yeah, a lot, a lot of wrestling some would say. Yeah. <laughs> But but yeah, almost to a person, everyone I've talked to about, you know, did you watch growing up? Did you do this? I'm like, oh, you know, I watched, you know, Dragon Gate's one of them and New Japan. None, none of them really say, you know, I, I watched Startup or I watched this or I watched that. It's all men's wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I, I read an interview with Suzu Suzuki, how she watched uh, death matches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was like, oh, that's, that sounds like a big Japan fan. And there's, it's funny how you can you can track some people's fandom in way different ways. And. Yeah, we're we're definitely in a generation where, uh, at least just from 2000 onwards, women wrestling wasn't. It kind of disappeared in one way or another, and it's uh, it wasn't until let's just put 2011 as the number when things started coming back into into the spotlight. What do you think killed Joshi wrestling for a while? What do you think was that that ended uh, the the hot streak that it was on? Oh, you're a better I mean, historian than I am. <laughs> uh, well, Kay has done a lot of research on that from the Big Egg Joshi podcast. Perhaps you've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you go you go through. I mean, that's a very complicated answer. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's always booking and management. That's that seems to be always a big deal when it comes mm-hmm. to promotions. Uh, WCW, a co- promotion we've watched <laughs> quite a lot of, has a lot to uh deal with that but yeah you like your basic research will will tell you that all japan women uh made some bad investments uh mm. in real estate that's kind of a big one um losing losing stars i mean that, that that's a huge deal that's a huge blow losing chigusa nagayo again was that huge blow to a good chunk of their audience they no longer could draw the same amount of women that they used to uh kind of puts into perspective how important just a singular star is Okay, I'm going to go to my stardom is WWE argument again. Okay, totally fair. Absolutely understand. Shoot. <laughs> so, are they building a product where it's about the company's stardom and not their top stars? Well, I I, I do see what you're asking here. Like, uh, I I have seen the argument WWE is more about the product itself rather than the wrestlers. Yeah, right? you're, they, you're yeah. building. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for the greater good. It's like the circus or the globetrotters or whatever, you know. Sure, you're you're not you, like who remembers the point guard on the globetrotters, but you remember the globetrotter team name, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could make the argument. Uh, a lot of these promotions, like Oz Academy, is only about Miami Azaki. Is Stardom only about one person? No, I, I can't. I can't say that's a bad thing. To be honest, you do want you do want some name recognition out there for your promotion and. For a while, their stardom was all about Io Shirai, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess you could throw Kyrie Hojo in there to an extent, but it was mostly Io Shirai. And then when she lost her, they kind of had to make their own new identity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is building around young talent and focusing on what they do best, and that's the that's the in-ring element of it. And uh, I say as of right now, in its current set after the, the Io Shirai period, Yes, it is more about trying to build their brand up to higher recognition. 
is that the same as WWE? No, because stardom is making new stars. It's just a slower process, right? Mayu Itani can't do it alone. So they got new, they're, they're making new stars. It's very clear. You got your Momos, uh, despite what I joke about with her being in the mid card <laughs> <laughs> uh, to people. But yeah, they got, they got Julia, who's clearly making a mark on the industry. They used to have, uh, rest in peace, Hanakamura. She was a huge star in the making. Uh, I think she could have been there Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. She could have, uh, we all saw it. It was like yeah. when you, when you hit gold on a, on a, on a wrestler and you just know they resonate with the audience, it's going to happen. And, um, Arisa Hoshiki, uh, had to retire, uh, in 2020. God, 2020 has been rough on stardom. And that's yeah. the other thing. It's been, it's been a rough 12 months on stardom in mm-hmm. some form of fashion. So they gotta, they gotta do some rebuilding. They went out and got some free agents. Uh, to kind of fill those voids, and they're they get they're rebuilding, and, and I'm not criticizing for for them to build around multiple people and not have one big star. It, to, to build around the company versus building around the star, I'm not I'm not completely against that. I'm, you know, the the WWD is WWE is more successful than ever doing that. So, and Stardom is more successful than ever. I think kind of doing that as well. So again, I'm not criticizing. I'm just talking about the business model more than than criticizing. Well, I would argue that uh, stardom is being uh, more successful than WWE in the sense that you can see stars being made currently in stardom. You can't say that about WWE. Uh, Current Google Trends uh, has stardom marked as the number two promotion in Japan that includes the men Mm -hmm. uh, in its current state. You can uh, look up WrestleNomics for that. Uh, You can can tell that their, their attendance has actually increased during the coronavirus period, which is actually uh, quite remarkable when you compare year over year uh, attendance ratings. So they are building. They're built. They're, they're trending up is what I'm trying to say. And uh, you can you can pick apart. Whom is going up above the others in a in a totem pole? Mm-hmm. Tommy won the five star recently, right? Julia won the white belt they're, They They are making their new stars. They're putting them in. Uh, prime top positions, they are giving them the focal point. Now, someone like a Jungle Kiona, whom resonates with, say, Western fans, may not resonate the same with the people in Japan. Maybe mm. that's why some wrestlers aren't getting pushed over others. Maybe we expect something else as fans. But you got to remember to kind of kind of take a step back and see kind of the bigger picture of things. And right now it's Utami, Julia, Mayu, of course, and you can throw probably another uh, couple names in there and see who sticks and see who rises and see who stardom gets behind. And hopefully that resonates with you. Do you see anybody from that group as the transcending star that can, you know, that I thought Hana was going to be? I, 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 she was the total package. I, I think she's hard to compare to. But do you see somebody else that could like step up and be that person with the personality in the in ring skill and the look and, you know, being the total package to, to be the, the top person in, you know, it's going to be, you're, you're the top person in Joshi wrestling. If you're the number one in stardom. Well, I think the idea behind uh, signing Shuri to stardom is their kind of Arisa Hoshiki replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think it's, it's tough to kind of do a one-to-one comparison like that. Obviously you can't just replace a Hanakamura with another one. <laughs> you can't replace a Kagetsu with another one. Yeah. You know, they're, they're one. Everyone is supposed to be unique to each other. Now, do I think someone has the charisma of Hana currently in stardom? I think that's the hole that needs to be filled. Yeah. 
I don't think they've I don't think they've done that yet. I think someone needs to step up. Could could someone like a Saya Kamitani fill that? Could be. I think it's too early to tell. Uh, could someone with the in-ring killer kind of martial arts instinct that Arisa had? I think Shori's is uh, filling that uh, pretty well uh, with their recent Yokohama main event she had against Mayu. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was kind of the defining factor for me as a fan. It's like, hey, Shuri's here to stay. Am I bummed out that she won't be in Ice Ribbit anymore? Sure, but I'd rather her uh, be more prominent in one promotion than a bit roll across five. Mm-hmm. So going back, you're watching stuff from the eighties who from the eighties, would you like to pluck in and put in a time machine and bring to now to be part of the current Joshi wrestling scene? <laughs> I mean, it, w- <laughs> it would be very interesting to see how the scene would react to a dump Matsumoto <laughs> <laughs> stabbing women with scissors and <laughs> making them bleed all over the ring. <laughs> that see, well, I guess my, I guess Miami Ozaki to an extent does that now, but she's in her fifties and uh, doesn't quite land the same when you have a, a terrifying 24 year old doing that to 19 year olds. <laughs> See, I think that that's one thing stardom is missing is a monster. I agree. I agree. I, I going back and watching a lot of the classics, you, you definitely see there was a super heel, mm-hmm. right? There was the Dump Matsumoto, there was Bull Nakana, there was Monster Ripper, if you want to uh, even go back further than that. Even to an extent, Devil Masami was, was she was big and she was mean. Now, Monster Ripper of the time was, uh, I would say, meaner, <laughs> hence the name Monster. But yeah, there was a big domineering heel uh, to always be the antithesis to your, your big baby face. You know, Dump was for Chigusa, Devil Masami and Monster Ripper to Jaguar Yakota. Uh... Bolnakano to Kong, yeah, Aj Aj Kong, you know, yeah. you, you name yeah. it. What, what is what is missing in stardom? Yes, I I, I would agree. <laughs> Obviously, not to I I don't think this is a controversial statement. Natsukatora is not that answer. She's four, <laughs> what nine, ten, uh, never been really pushed. She's the top. She's supposed to be the leader of the heel faction, but it's just a DQ machine. It's not a domineering heel, right? You don't see her cutting people up and. And scaring children, right? That's not happening. I think Yoshiko could have been that if things had gone differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, which is funny because she's now the top baby face in Seedling, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's the top baby face in Japan right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, she does She does fit that role. But that is something I think is really missing in, in Joshi Wrestling is is this idea of a, a, a heel, a super heel, a dominant um, bad guy. Somebody that wants to be mean. Somebody, you know, that's, you know, mean. <laughs> be mean. <laughs> well, uh, we could look at it from kind of their own business perspective, though. Right? Uh, back then, and, and still to an extent today, people make their money on merchandise, right? At least the wrestlers do. Merchandise, their connection with fans. And heels don't sell as well as being a babyface. Nobody wants to be that heel. No one wants to lose lose their income. Right? And over the years with Joshi wrestling and women's wrestling just not being as popular <laughs> from the 80s and 90s heyday, uh, th- that's a that's a big risk to do, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I understand that point. But yeah, it's, it's just, 
I, I would like to see somebody want to be mean and be mean. And I, I think that would help themselves and the company in the, in the long run if they somebody just went all in on being mean. Well, what's sticking out to me right now, if we're just pulling from the uh, recent, is the uh, the Dark Maya, the Dark dark Snow character of Maya Yuki and Ice Ribbon showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's taken the character from Oz Academy, uh which still has that very old school mentality to it all for better and definitely for worse. <laughs> a lot of times uh, she's shown up with her whip, their dark demeanor, and she's challenging the big baby face Risa Sarah for her title. And Risa Sarah has been proven to not be afraid of, of blood. She may in fact uh, love it a little too much at times, <laughs> <laughs> but that could be, that could be something like Maya's proven to be a draw and a big star for the promotion Maybe she can take a risk and be a big heel and move people up. Uh, maybe, very possible. So I'm looking at I'm look I'm sitting in front of my Joshi wall where I have all these autographed pictures of the the wrestlers and they all look like models. They all look pretty. The only one I'm afraid of on my wall is uh, Miyako Matsumoto. She's the only one that scares me. The rest of them are just pretty girls. Yeah, yeah. That that what that that's that's something that you just don't. Uh, it's very noticeable. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm a man. Uh, I like to look at pretty girls, but I also like to look at the monsters beat up the pretty girls sometimes. And, and, you know, it's part of the story. You know, it's uh, it's a horror movie. It's a, a adventure show, an adventure movie. It's 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 all those things, you know. And then, again, I think it's one thing that uh, Joshi Wrestling's missing right now. I agree. Uh, and if you want to go a little bit further back, uh, Io Shirai kind of had that role to an extent with Queen's Quest, right? She mm-hmm. was the dominating bad guy to Mayu, right? Mm -hmm. And what got Mayu over uh, even bigger was having that antithesis to her. And people talk about the the Thunder Rock uh, feud being one of the best in women's wrestling the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And that's for good reason. Yeah, and maybe it's... I'm thinking out loud here while we talk is, you know, maybe it's less being a monster and more being violent because you watch some of that old stuff, the the stuff you're watching, it's just violent. You know, some of it's just, you know, very violent. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, you can be violent without being that violent, you know, because if you're a little bit violent now, I think that would stand out from a, a lot of the other wrestlers. And I'm not talking about putting skewers and heads and, you know, slamming light tubes and stuff, but just hitting hard and, you know, that's it's maybe this is just I'm an old man now and it's just wrestling in general. It's more cool moves than than beating each other up. I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sticking with women's wrestling, uh, a lot of it's missing in the West for sure. Mm-hmm. Western women's wrestling, I think, uh, in 2020 has proven to be in very rough shape. Uh, while in Japan, I think it's actually getting better. Mm. Uh, the, the wrestlers are, are getting back to a much higher level than they used to be mm-hmm. over the last 15, 20 years. I don't think that's disputable. You know, when you have Kaori Yonayama <laughs> being a uh, former HEW champion, mm. uh, and then you look at today's roster and you're like, she shouldn't be champion. Like, well, that, <laughs> that's probably a good thing. <laughs> it means it's gotten better. Uh, but the point, the point is, like, uh, I was watching, I, I like to keep up with uh, Impact Wrestling. Okay, let's use this as an example. 
uh, it's regarded as the quote unquote top women's women's wrestling in uh, outside of Japan. But when was the last time you heard on, on the grapevine uh, a top women's match coming out of there? It doesn't happen. Mm-mm. And when you see those wrestlers that have had uh, tours in Japan, they're not high on the card. Like Deanna Peraza is not walking into the five star Grand Prix and possibly winning it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see Tony Storm doing that. And where's Tony Storm now? Barely featured on any sort of television. Why? Well, she's a good wrestler. Absolutely. She connects with the crowd. That's not what the West is looking for, I guess. Uh, it's, it's kind of why I have these high hopes behind AEW and what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. It's a it's clearly a long and uh, frustrating pro- process for fans. I'm definitely one of them. I'm I'm frustrated that the, overnight they can't just be a successful women's promotion, right? <laughs> you know, I love Hikaru Shida, but she needs help. You know, she, you can't do it alone. Yeah, and, and I've said this before. I kind of give them a little bit of a pass on that because who knows who they would have brought over in 2020 if COVID hadn't happened. Well, I think Jamie Hayter would be there right now. It's possible. Uh, who knows what would have happened with B Priestley? Uh, she definitely has uh, some qualities of a heel that that could do some work. Uh, could Yuka Sakazaki have helped ha- ha- the the TJPW women? Um, could they have had a bigger impact in bringing Joshi to the West? Mm-hmm. And what has been AEW's focal point is the in ring. Right. They want to bring a host of different styles and they want to change the world. Right. I think I think Maki Ito would have been in America and blown up and been a giant star. I think so as well. She she has a uh, crowd connection and I uh, May Suruga is a great example. Mm-hmm. I think as soon as the borders open up again, uh, kind of, of a, a full time basis, May Suruga and Emi Sakura and company, they're all coming back to mm-hmm. the West and they are going to explode. I so badly want to put a Choco Pro show on WrestleMania weekend if it's in LA next year. Uh, it would be fun. I want it to find a way. Fun. I want to find a way to do it. So, so you you talk wrestling. You said you also talk anime and and other things as well. Let us let us hear about that part of your podcast. Oh, I mean, the whole podcast began as as a uh, retro gaming one. Uh, I love retro gaming. I love gaming in general. Uh, okay, explain have... my explain to me what retro gaming means. So, uh, well, what was the first video game console you had? Atari 2600. Well, we, we play some of those games on, on the cast. <laughs> <laughs> then I had a Commodore 64. Yeah. We, uh, so it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's a hard set rule. Um, everyone has a different definition of like what an antique is, what, a re- what, re- what retro is. So we just have our little rule that if it's over 15 years old, we consider it retro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the same thing with the anime cast. We can review an anime of the past at, if it's at least 15 years old from today's date. You know, it's uh, late October, so 15 years ago it is uh, it qualifies. So we do that for anime and then the retro gaming. Uh, so obviously we're not playing like Xbox One or 360 games on there. <laughs> it's because it's not 15 <laughs> years old yet. But uh, we each pick a theme. Uh, so our most recent episode uh, upon... Uh, recording was over uh, <laughs> bad tutorials. <laughs> so we we uh, that was my theme pick. 
And so um, the person who picks the theme picks two games based on the theme, and then the other hosts pick one game, and then we all kind of demo it, play it for a little bit. Uh, I've made a mission to try to like beat at least one of these games for each podcast every couple weeks, <laughs> and we just talk about the retro games of you know based around that theme. Like, oh, why did why do you think Final Fantasy VIII has terrible tutorials? Well, they have a major system in the game that they don't explain, and it's pertinent to you know going through it <laughs> so you keep saying keep saying we who are who are some of the other people you have on the podcast so they're different hosts for every podcast actually it's they're all just kind of friends i've i've made over the years uh best friend uh grew up in texas uh he's on there with me a friend in canada when i was working there made friends with him he's on the retro gaming podcast the anime one is just th- uh over the years made friends just online, so a couple mm-hmm. a couple people, one's from Brazil, one's from Norway, so we've got different uh, cultures and international flavors to everyone's opinion. Uh, it is all in English, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it sounds like all of us speak different languages, it is all in English, so we keep that consistent. Uh, and then Kay, I, I, uh, for a time I've done the, re- the wrestling one uh, solo at times, but Kay, uh, as a recent addition, uh, he's been doing the whole wrestling podcast with me and uh, my mom joins me for AEW reviews and watches, watches some, uh, some other promotions every now and again. Those are spectacular. You guys need to listen to those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, so, my, yeah, my mom uh, became a women's wrestling fan. Finally, after watching an ice ribbon show of all things, <laughs> uh, it makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> she hates, she hated women's wrestling, <laughs> hated it. She's like, I don't get, it's not, it's not feminine enough. You know, the, you know, it shouldn't be doing that. Then then I took her to a wrestling show and there was intergender with Chris Statlander. And she was like offended. But yet I was like, Mom, you were cheering in the crowd like everybody else. Wow, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> See, my dad was the one when I was growing up. My mom loved wrestling. My dad didn't like it, but he would always walk by and just like, you know, peek at it every once in a while. And then I took him to his first show was a couple years ago. Or might have been yeah, two years ago. I took him to his first show in 40 years. And he had the time of his life going to an indie show for the first time in 40 years. Wow. So let's talk about my favorite game that I ever played was NHL PA 94 on the Sega Genesis. Ah, yes. Have you guys covered that one quite yet? Uh, we've covered NHL 95, I believe. Mm, that's a good one, too. And... If I'm not mistaken, I believe for sports games, we covered NHL 94 back in episode had to be in the 50s. We did a whole sports sports theme episode where we covered uh, like Mario Tennis and NHL 94. (laughs) So my buddy and I were playing Sega Genesis. We're playing, what was it, like Tommy Lasorda baseball or something like that. Oh, I love that one. (laughs) And my buddy and I, we still talk to this to this day. And this is when it, when it was out and it was hot. And one of my, we, I'm a Padre fan, so I was playing the Padres. He's a Padre fan too. I can't remember who he was playing, but this guy named Tim Tuffle, who's got no power at all. He, my buddy Joe and I are playing a seven game series, and it's like the seventh game of the series. And Tim Tuffle with no power, I hit a home run off his best pitcher to win the World Series, and he got so pissed at me for that. That's the controller out. Oh yeah, it was it was system awesome. turned off. Nah, that never happened. <laughs> yeah, we we joke about that to the to this day. Isn't it cool though that you know video games and stuff and wrestling can can conjure up memories like that from you know twenty something thirty years ago? Absolutely, nostalgia plays uh, plays a hell of a role. That's kind of 
what the the retrocast is. Uh, I I I like to do it for not just for that reason. I like to learn about the past, and I do compare the past to the present quite a lot. Uh, especially like current games I'm playing. Like why why does this game Dynamite Heady on the Sega Genesis that I've never heard of prior to covering it on the podcast way back when? Why does that why does that resonate with me so much? And I don't know, Call of Duty on modern consoles. Why why doesn't that do it for me? You know? How often do you and your co-host disagree on the quality of games? Oh, quite a lot. There's a there's a huge joke about this console called the 3DO. I've heard of it. So <laughs> when I was living in Canada, I saw this system and I was like, I don't know what this is. It's from Panasonic. <laughs> <laughs> and I got it. And this has the most bizarre games on it I've ever experienced. And it's all like most of them are FMV and nine times out of ten. Uh, I've made it a mission that every time we pick a theme, I will pick a game on the system. Like, <laughs> I am determined to find something good on this thing. <laughs> And uh, I'm like always trying to hype up this game. Like, no, 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 it's actually kind of good. You just got to, you know, cheat or, (laughs) you know, okay. You know, so what if the game doesn't tell you what to do or the controls are terrible? (laughs) There's a good game in there. They're like, no, the 3DO is shit. The whole console is bad. Anything on it is terrible. Are you old enough to remember? Are you old enough to remember arcades? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure. I think I was, Eric. (laughs) I'm not sure how old you are. I I, I never asked that question to anybody. So, (laughs) but yeah, I, I, because I was an arcade kid. I was like, you know, hardcore arcade kid. And, you know, and and even like the the front of the grocery store, my mom would like just leave me there with some quarters and watching. Oh, man. I grew up in the bowling alley. There's always arcades in a bowling alley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing to think now that the games we played in the arcade are just garbage compared to what, you know, the the kids are playing these days. You know, the kids have like, 1080p and all kinds of high def and 4k probably you know with uh is it the ps5's 4k uh it will be yeah that's amazing that's amazing hey one, one of the cool things i did i do want to bring up to you is you, you talk about you know meeting people online and, and having friends that you meet and one of the cool things about doing the podcast was being able to to get to meet a bunch of you guys like you and in k and j and jpq and, and a bunch of you guys you know and, and we and, are all in the discord <laughs> watching <laughs> wrestling and playing games <laughs> no nah, but people like to crap on the internet and this and that kind of stuff about being a, a toxic environment but i i do want to say though as well that you know it also brings people together, like-minded people together in, in enjoying each other's company virtually. You know, it, it's, it, it's, it's nice to be around people, but it's also nice to, to have that, that pleasant experiences online as well to, to just to get to meet people that you would never would have met if the, if the internet in, in to, uh, Twitter and social media wasn't there. I, I just think, I think it needs to be said more often, you know, people talk about the toxicity of, of social media and, and the internet and stuff, but there's good out there too. I got to meet you. So I, I'm very happy that uh, I, I did this podcast for, for not just I mean if I take a step back when it's all said and done and it's just meeting guys like you, which I really appreciate about the whole process of, of what we've done together. Yeah, I mean, without without uh, modern technology and the internet, I uh, wouldn't be able to have uh, the hosts from all over the world <laughs> have, <laughs> just talk random shit with me <laughs> all the time. So, JD, let us know one more time about your podcast and where we can find you on social media. Yeah, so since this is uh, the uh, wrestling podcast, the, the Joshi podcast, uh, I do the Red Leaf Retrocast. You can find it... Uh, 
Anchor, Spotify, any, anywhere you find podcasts. Whoa, that was loud. <laughs> <laughs> anywhere you find podcasts, a YouTube channel with the whole backlog of everything. Uh, again, the wrestling one, we do uh, All Japan Women Classics. We do New Japan through the 90s Classics. Currently just finished 1993, Old New Japan. Uh, we do cover a little Old Japan in there as well. WCW Nitro. We didn't start from the beginning. We started 98. We just finished 98. Now we're at 99. The, we just finished the Finger Poke of Doom. We're getting ready for Sold Oof. Out 1999. Rest, my, rest in soul. <laughs> rest in <laughs> peace to my soul. It's, I'm already losing my mind. Uh, but we also do the modern stuff. So I've been covering Ice Ribbon since I discovered it a few years ago. Mm. Uh, we do Stardom, do Seedling, Tokyo Joshi Pro. Kay likes Actress Girls, so he brings it up. <laughs> <laughs> We talk a lot about that, and I, I like doing, you know, I like doing what I like. You know, if I don't like WWE, I'm not going to cover it. I'm not going to spend, you know, 30 minutes shitting on it. I like watching DDT having fun. I talk AEW with my mom, I do Dragon Gate. Uh, so I'm glad I, I kind of take pride in the fact that uh, we cover promotions that don't get a lot of the spotlight, no, uh, I, especially Ice Ribbon. That's kind of one I'm super proud of that we do. Yeah. Yeah, ice ribbon's so good. That's what I tell people. Stardom is your gateway drug, but wait till you find ice ribbon. Yeah, be happy with pro wrestling. <laughs> That's right. So, okay, I, one last question. I asked you about, you know, taking an old wrestler to modern day. Which modern day wrestler would work best back in 83? Mm. Why does... Sh- I, I think Shuri comes to mind uh, with her more shoots, shoot style. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, and she can do ground game or kicking. Uh, I think she would, st- but 83, that's very interesting because that's when it was a lot of still more ground based and they were still trying to break through to a lot of different things. Uh, so who's the best all around in ring performer like a Jaguar Yakota? Uh, I can't say Mayu cause that's, that's a lot of Lucha, Lucha Libre, Dragon Gate style in there. Shuri really comes to mind. Uh, Tsukasa Fujimoto with her heavy fundamentals, I think would be able, would would nail it without question. See, I would, um, my, the first one popped in my mind was Arisa Nakajima. Mm, I'd probably peg her for the late '80s, early '90s for some mm. reason. That kind of pops into my head with her particular style. I think she could be mean if she wanted to be mean. Oh, that I don't doubt. <laughs> Maybe she's too pretty for the early 80s. <laughs> not not saying that Tsukasa Fujimoto. And, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm thinking more of just the uh, all around simplistic style to it, but who would still have mass appeal? Maybe Arisa would. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, JD. Again, thank you Yoshiko, so much. For... She can actually stab people. Yeah. Sakushi, <laughs> that jerk. Oh. She would fit. I'm trying to get that to catch on the jerk thing, but it hasn't kept, caught on yet. So queen of jerk style. There you go. Oh, it's a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> JD, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh, yeah, guys follow him. He's a great guy. He puts on some, some great podcasts as well. So uh, he does Joshi, right? So I, I uh, you guys should, should give him a listen. Oh, thank you. It was good to good for good for me to be on. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks.